so much fear around embarrassment and failure and judgment that it generally stops us from doing what we truly want to do. And so the whole message is like, hey, think about that fear and what could go wrong and then compare it to you in your grave someday and then think about that fear again and see if it's shifted. Hey, hey. Welcome to the Up and Becoming podcast, a space for inspiring and empowering conversations for the dreamers, creators, and self-starters. Today, I'm speaking with Stefan Hunt. Stefan is a filmmaker, director, and artist based in Australia, but he's also someone that I have followed for quite some time. I loved having a conversation with him about purpose, about what it's like to focus on your personal projects and not be so focused on money and how that's led him to work on some of his uh, most exciting projects to date. We touch on his project, We're All Going to Die, and I know that there's going to be so much gold in this episode for you. So without further ado, here is Stefan Hunt. Hey, Stefan. Hey, Kurt. How you doing, man? Good, brother. Thanks so much for being on Up and Becoming, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's uh, We're back into lockdown again, which is very fitting for your podcast, where it all began. <laughs> yeah. I was actually just telling Stefan that I um, I just shaved my head two days ago. So lockdown's already already really, really done 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 a number on me, but um, we're, we're working on it, you know. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be positive from now on. It's, I yeah, mean, I, I feel like if you're shaving your head day two of lockdown, then I'm I'm afraid like if this goes even for two weeks, like, you know, you only by 14 days in, you're going to have some pretty drastic tattoos and piercings. And, um, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes. <laughs> I'm really lucky that most of the tattoo parlors are closed. So, you know, can't can't do anything too crazy, but, you know. It's yeah, good. you can always bring it to the um, prison tap, the stick and poke. I've got one of those oh, no. on, my, on my arm that a friend gave me. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, exactly. I think that's exactly what I need to do. Um, but, Stefan, I always love to start the podcast with this question. Who did you want to become as a kid? Or what uh, did you want to become? Yeah, when I was eight years old, uh, I can recall this conversation I had with my dad where he asked me that same question and I said, I want to be some kind of children's entertainer. And he's like, well, why is that? And I was like, I just look at adults and they just don't seem all that happy or they're living exciting lives. And I just don't want to grow up and become an adult. So I had this crazy Peter Pan syndrome um, as a kid. But, but honestly, when I was like eight years old, I just felt like, I just wanted to always maintain a connection to my um, my childlike, you know, nature, which I feel like I've kind of managed to do. I didn't become a wiggle or a high five or a yo gabba yeah. gabba, but I still feel like through my art, there's there's definitely a kind of a childlike nature to it for sure. Completely, I actually think it's one of your, yeah, it's one of the things that makes your work stand out because Stefan's most of his projects he has, I guess, kind of like a cartoon-like nature um, in most of his films, and it's it's pretty fun. It's pretty incredible, um, and we'll we'll get into that a little bit a little bit later. What projects he's he's worked on, but um, how did 
like taking that childlike nature, how did that then transfer into, um, I guess, what you're doing today? Did you jump into film or art as a, as a teenager? Was that something you're interested in or what did that kind of come later? Yeah, through, all through primary school and high school, I would, uh, you know, paint and draw and draw all over the desks of my high school and all through my books and um, saved up working jobs, you know, doing the paper run as like a 13-year-old to buy my first video camera and made silly little short films throughout high school. Um, But it was always just a hobby and I didn't know that you could do it as a career. I didn't know anyone that worked in that industry. So it seemed like, yeah, it just seemed like this foreign world that I would never be able to enter because I didn't know it was a possibility. And then when I was in my final year of high school, one of my best friends, Jono, he he was a few years older than me and he was in Portugal reading Jack Kerouac. Um, and he emailed a bunch of his friends and said, hey, I want to go to all 50 states of America next year. Who's in? And I was halfway through my HSC exam and I wrote back and I was like, count me in, I'm there. Um, and committed to doing this trip to all 50 states. And so the, you know, finished high school, actually got into university to do primary education because I thought that would make the most sense to be able to kind of learn about early childhood development to then work within that world. But instead of going to university, I went over to America with Jono and made a documentary called Surfing 50 States where we landed there in 2006 Um, borrowed an ice cream truck from a surf company and we drove to all 48 mainland states and flew to Alaska and Hawaii and found a way to surf in all of them and we just filmed it on a camera had no idea what was going to come of it we always said from day one like so long as we can share this with our grandkids someday that that's the goal of this project and we ended up cutting this film together and it ended up playing on TV in America and Europe and won some awards at film festivals. And then that was the start of my film career. And I just fell into it. Um, And this is like pre YouTube, pre like Facebook, I think came out that year, pre Instagram, no social media. It was just this really organic process of just hitting the road and making something very lo-fi, but that project had a lot of heart in it. And, um, I think that's kind of was the magic ingredient that broke through to an audience. And here I am today still making films. That's incredible, Stefan, because I think I can see that childlikeness and that, I guess, authenticity in all of your work. Like to know that that's how you started out is, is kind of uncanny. It's, 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 it's how it should have been, you know? I think that's amazing. I that made me have this like wonder lustrous and I really miss traveling oh man that just that sounds amazing I know I feel like last year with the start of COVID my wife and I moved back from New York to Australia and we were like oh, okay you know we've done a lot of traveling we're actually all good we're happy just to kind of you know lay low and hang in Oz and and you know life has been pretty exceptional here on a global scale but 2022 since that's come around oh sorry 2021 now i'm like oh man i'm so itching to to hit the road and go to foreign lands again and feel 
small and feel that rush of um, not knowing what's around the next corner. I miss that. Yeah, I miss that too. I miss that. Um, it's just this overstimulation of just not knowing and uncertainty and not knowing what you're going to do the next day. And I think it actually feeds your creativity so much. Uh, and I think the challenge that we're being faced with here, even in lockdown for me right now, um, is what can I work on while I've got maybe a couple of weeks? Hopefully they don't extend it. It's not looking great, but um, what can I work on? You know, what can I dream up? It's um, it's these times that I think really do challenge us as creatives to to broaden horizons and 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 think outside the box. Um, but we will get there. We will get overseas. <laughs> It'll happen. Yeah, yeah, we will for sure, for sure. And you know, while we're in these in these times, like it's interesting to go back into you know lockdown at the moment. Uh, it's nearly like an opportunity to reflect on last year and being in that place and, and thinking about a lot of people had time to like delve deep and work on themselves or start new hobbies or just start to challenge, you know, how they used to spend money or how much of a, you know, capitalist cycle they were stuck in. And a lot of those things, it's funny that as soon as life started to return to somewhat normal here in Oz, quite easy to slip back into habits that we were um questioning well i mean i've had this conversation with multiple people that's why why i'm saying this but it's kind of a good opportunity hopefully we don't need to like stay in lockdown forever but i think taking the time to just stop and reflect is is one of the most important things you can do as a person as a creative as like it's just a you know member of um society it's vital yeah, completely. And I know this this is a, a bit of a tangent, but I'd love to follow this a little bit. What did you find that you learned in in reflecting and in and noticing and having these conversations with other people? Um, what kind of stood out to you? That's a great question. I mean, I think that with with having my COVID was really interesting because it's the busiest I've ever been for whatever reason, my work just went completely bananas and I was um, really, really busy throughout COVID. So now this year I've forced myself to say no to work and just take more time out, take on less. So I've got that time to, to think and, and process things. Um, and for me, it's just been about doing less, so I can be present in what I'm doing. So what, if it's a job, doing the best possible, you know, um, work that I can do. Um, and then on a personal level, just taking the time to like, just celebrate all the little things. I, I think that having this, um, having our lives thrown upside down for this past year, it's made me really appreciate all the little things. Um, and it's not about these big dreams or goals. I still have them, but I also want to value just like a cup of tea with my wife in the morning. I just, if, if something good happens, like we just celebrate every little thing there is to celebrate these days, which is a wonderful place to be in. Yeah, that I read, I read an article actually about um, that, that idea or that notion. It's, it's um, I think that the word they use is savoring. You know, a kid mm. is so good 
at just like being present and like you give him a lollipop and he's just like he's just there he's just having the best time you know and I think um for us and especially I think myself in the past year that's what I've really worked on is just slowing down um and trying to find that balance between you know work working towards something but also just enjoying um where I'm at so that's so refreshing to hear that that's you know something you've also experienced um but it is uh yeah it can be I think it can be difficult in the society when we're told that we just need to keep going and we need to take on as much as we can but um when we do that I think we lose sight of maybe who we are what we were doing why we're doing it in the first place so it's good to check in yeah, I think we can easily, I completely agree with that. It's so easy to get addicted to doing for the sake of doing because we've, for whatever reason, convinced ourselves that that is what success looks like or that is what passion or drive looks like. And I think that, you know, if we're talking creativity specifically or working towards a goal, it's like a roller coaster. Hey, like at times you are going to be slammed and busy and, and you need to go all in. You can't just sit back. Like sometimes you need to just hustle and work hard. And, and a lot of people, like, I don't know, I just speak to people like, oh, how, how do you get to where, like, how, how are you at where, like, what am I trying to say? How did you get to where you're at? And I'm like, I've just worked hard. Like, that's honestly, I, I've, I can acknowledge that like I've got a lot of um, a lot of privilege being, you know, the in the position that I am. Um, I've probably had some lucky breaks, but I've also just worked so extremely hard um, and just poured every bit of like money and, and time back into my passion and what I love. And, and I think it's, um, you can understand, like I said, that's part of the process. Like you are going to have to work hard, but, also, it's just so important to just, you know, chill out and reflect and take time. And just if you're in a constant cycle of just working hard, it all just becomes one big blur. And you, you'll get to like a, a month and a year. And I don't know, you just, I feel like for me, I've just become numb at times where it's just like this, like, oh, I've done a lot. But like, how much of that have I actually felt or taken in? Um, so I, I like this idea of this, like, roller coaster of like hustling and working hard and then just like taking big chunks of time to just sit and be still that's how I like to operate yeah I'm with you on that I think that's that would be my preference as well and um we can even get lost in yeah when you are just taking on everything it's uh it is a bit numbing so it's good to that's 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 very good advice it's yeah I'm 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 glad that other creatives are feeling that way too. It can feel a bit alone. You're like, oh no, but if I'm chilling, I'm missing out all this opportunity. But it's always going to be there because, you know, who you are, Stefan, who I am, we've got our own way of seeing the world and what we bring to the world is unique. So if you're chilling on the couch, that just means that Stefan's not bringing anything for a bit. But when he does have that time, he's going to bring even more because he's got, you know, a new perspective, a new way of seeing life, working from um, a space of rest, I guess. Totally, yeah. totally. It's cool. Yeah. Um, well, I'd love to know where, why, like, why New York? Like, how, how did that start? So, like, was that a step towards filmmaking? Was that kind of why that was the the intention to move there? Um, because 
I guess Australia, Australia is a bit, it has opportunity, but I think with filmmaking, America definitely has more. Was that kind of why or? Moving to New York was in its simplest form, just honoring a dream that was that I, a seed that I planted when I was 18 years old on my surfing 50 States trip. Um, it was probably about four months into the trip because uh, it went for seven months and four months in, we arrived in New York and within 24 hours of being there and I'd never been there before. I said to myself, I need to live in this city someday. It just had this insane energy and atmosphere and it just truly felt like the melting pot of the world. Like that, people call it that, but it's, and, and after living there, it totally is. Like you can just find the most niche cultures and subcultures and it feels like every country is represented in this very compact zone. Um, and so, yeah, when I was 18, I was like, oh, I want to move here someday. And it just took forever to get visas and everything in order. And I also got busy doing other projects and traveling the world. But it took about seven years for the visa to come through. And then I eventually uh, ended up moving there. And I was always aware of the opportunity over there. But I think just heading over and Americans have this really wonderful warmth and openness to them that is, I think Australians have it as well in their own way, but in America, it's like they'll meet you and if you connect and, and they like who you are as a person, they're just willing to give you a shot straight away or to connect you with someone. Whereas in Australia, I think we operate in such a small market. I've definitely found that sometimes there's this idea of like gatekeepers and people aren't willing to introduce you to other people or, you know, this idea of sharing and it's more competitive I think here because it is such a small market. So it's really refreshing to move to a place and just to meet people. And it's such a huge market that they're just willing to, um, to help you out over there, which is a wonderful feeling as an artist. Yeah. I love what you said about um, honoring a dream or like, you know, the seed was planted when you were traveling. Um, I felt the same way. Actually, I was going to move last year. I got the visa but then COVID happened. So um, just as you said, that made me think, man, it's still there. Like I still really do want to go over there, um, but who knows when it's just, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's such a tricky thing, but that's so cool that you did that. And I totally agree. Like when I was there, I was just like, what the heck, man? Like people are just so creative. Everyone's just so encouraging. There's not like that tall poppy syndrome we have in Australia. It wasn't really like that. People were just like, you're a photographer, like sick. I've got a buddy, you know, it's always, you know, people just suggesting, recommending. It's amazing. Oh man, that I've got a buddy line. You hear so much yeah. over there, but it's wonderful. Yeah. Like I, yeah. I love it. it. It's an openness, um, which is funny in a city that is also known for being so, um, you know, blunt. <laughs> and it totally is like there's this total other side to New York and this full yin yang of, um, warmth and hostility all in one. Yeah. And I guess, but like when in that period you were working on, on several films, so filmmaking had become a major thing for you. Were you, were you a DP yourself? Like were you filming most things or were you kind of directing in that period? Um, 
Yeah, I, when I started out, I was doing everything. Um, as in, like, I would work with uh, one friend in particular when I started to get into commercial filmmaking, and his name's Campbell Brown, who's an amazing DP based in Sydney. And we would we would just kind of trade off between, like, oh, do you want to direct this one? I'll shoot it, and vice versa. And we would both edit, we'd both produce. And then as we started to work on bigger projects, I think, Cam learned that he was really passionate about being a DP and I was passionate about being a director. So I haven't shot something myself in years and years, which is wonderful because it takes a certain very skilled person to, to do that or, or any role in filmmaking for that matter. But um, I really love the process of when you're early on in your you know, career or when you're learning about your craft, just give every single part of it a go. Like, don't be attached to some idea that, ah, oh, I want to be this because of the title. Just put your hands in every single pie and then just see what feels, makes you feel most alive and then just follow that feeling. And I say that with this understanding that, like, someday I might just stop directing because I don't get the feeling from it and I might just switch it up and change to something else. And I... I really have always been drawn to artists or creatives that are willing to just try new things and, and not be so stuck to this idea of labels and titles. You know, I think that if you are a creative person, which I think everyone has creativity in them, chances are it's not just one thing that you're good at. There's multiple things and not everything has to make money. Like just, you can just pursue creative things as a hobby. It's the best feeling. It's how I've got into being an illustrator over the last three years. That's just a pure yeah. hobby that like is literally come from drawing stupid pictures all over desks in high school. And now somehow I'm getting paid to do it, but that's just a fun side project. You know, it's hilarious. Yeah, completely. Um, I love, I love that thought of, uh, you don't need to be paid for it because I th I think what I've I've fallen into um, recently is like you know when I did take this step into being a full time photographer, you yeah you get caught up in in the money and like taking projects just because you get you're trying to put food on the table. But even for myself, like I love producing, I love directing, like I love like gathering people and just like working on a big project. I think that's what I'm really craving at the moment, like. I think that's why even when I worked with you on, um, on surf dicks, it, that like that weekend, <clears throat> excuse me, that day, it just like, it reinvigorated me because it's like, Oh, this is what I want to do. I just want to be around awesome people and like just create things, you know? And if, if money comes, that's awesome. But like, I just want to get around more groups of people. So I think that's even why I, I kept just kept like, um, more engaging with what you're doing and seeing what you are doing and, and wanting to be around people like yourself, because they just do, you have this thing, Stefan, where you just like you, I think you really empower people. You really encourage them and, and you want to be around you. So I'm not surprised that you've got a bit of luck um, over the, over the you know period of time you've been working as a filmmaker. Yeah. Thanks, man. I mean, I, I feel like I'm just drawn to people's attitudes. Hey, like, my dad always told me like you can learn skill but it's a lot harder to to learn like attitude as an adult like it's I, I feel 
that if people have like a really passionate, positive, compassionate way about how they operate, like they're just wonderful to be around. And anyone can learn how to press a button or move a light or learn those things. Like it, it's it's really just about, if you think about the time that we spend in creative projects and how many endless hours of that are unpaid, it makes no sense why you would want to do that with grumpy, negative people. Or people that or people that bring you down. Sorry, like, because like in saying that, like I'll still have grumpy days. I also want to honor like with mental health, you have up, up days and you have down days. But I feel like if there's, there's a, you know, a consistency to someone making you feel smaller for whatever, you know, from a place of jealousy or from a place of their own insecurities, like that makes it really hard to, to make good art. So I think when you find people, no matter what skill level they're at, that you align with on a value level, just keep those people close and make things with them and just make it for fun and make it for the feeling and things will always come from it. They always have for me. Completely. And that that's a bit countercultural in a, in a way that I've experienced or, you know, when I've researched and wanted to get more into film and more into the bigger um, sets and around casts, et cetera, a lot of people have said, you've just got to work hard and, and it's ruthless and it's hard, you know, like there is that hard element, but you almost are expecting people not be kind or to be on a set that's really, um, that isn't aligning with, you know, values and, and, and those things. So it's, it's good to know that you can actually, you can walk down that path and you can be like, this is my standard and, and I'm not going to lower it. And if it takes a bit longer, like that's, that's okay. Yeah. And, and you know what, like, it's actually way harder to do that. That's the, that's, that's what's, can bum me out that sometimes if you actually want to stand up for your values or your beliefs, it can come at the cost of a job and that is food on the table and that really sucks. But I also think that as society progresses and and they just learn more about a lot of the systemic problems or inequalities that exist, like people will start to realize like, Oh, we need to change the culture and, and I'd rather be trying to champion that and losing out on things than just being like, oh, well, that's just the way it is and being apathetic towards it and not um, being part of the change that I want to see. And, and like my wife, Vanessa, is so incredibly inspiring when it comes to that. Like she, she will always put her values over any paycheck or any opportunity no matter what it is like it can be huge and if she's just like no this is this is like problematic or this is bad for this reason she'll just really politely decline and explain why and and it sucks to see someone lose out by standing up for their values but i really feel like that's the long game and that's what i want to be in in it for and that's the that's what i want to have on my sets when i make films i want everyone to feel equal i want there to be respect i think traditionally a lot of film sets there's this idea of hierarchy and and people were you know i was treated bad when i was starting out therefore when i get to my higher position 
I've got the right to do that. And it's very, this, you know, this cycle. And um, I think that, you know, you need to re respect the people that who are the head of the department and listen to them and they've got final say and because they've worked hard to get there. But I think there just has to be mutual respect. It's really simple. It's not that hard for people to do. I think people forget that. So that's what I'm passionate about, as you can tell. Oh, mate, I'm so passionate about that as well. I, I love that. Like, yeah, I, I'd raise my hand to be, be part of, you know, your, your projects any day, just knowing that that's how you're going to treat people. And I'm sure that everyone that is, is going to work with you and has worked with you is, is, is really grateful. And that's, yeah, that's, that's incredible. Um, oh, we could talk about that for, for ages, but I'd love to, I'd love to ask you, I'd love to ask you, um, how did, how did the project we're all going to die start? I guess that's still kind of along the same lines. Hey, cause it, it seems like a thing of values and a thing of, um, reflection, but, it's such a cool project and that's a the same one that you um won a BAFTA on hey the the film you made for it um oh no that's that's different isn't it different yeah <laughs> yeah different. It but is. i'll tell you about where we're <laughs> gonna die first so <laughs> okay great <laughs> that project um i launched that project in 2017 but a few years earlier um i think it was 2015 for the first time in my life i experienced just some really challenging uh, mental health um, and around anxiety and, and just going into this dark place. Um, for me, it was, it came from this fear of the unknown and, and not knowing where my life was heading, whether I was on the right track. And um, I'd always put a lot of pressure on myself to both like achieve and, and to make sure that I was, you know, I was really, you know, hitting goals and I was on this right, you know, I had purpose. Um, and the other thing I'd always made sure of was that because of my privileges growing up, I was like, oh, well, I've got no reason to to ever be sad. Like I can only ever be this like happy, shining light type of personality um, because a lot of people have it a lot harder than me. And it kind of just reached this breaking point where I guess for my first time I came to accept that like, no, that's actually not human. Like you have up, up days and you have down days and you have to honor them and just accept it. And I think mental health has become so much more commonplace these days in society. We talk about it, but growing up, like it wasn't a conversation in high school. I didn't know what it was um, until my twenties, which is crazy. So coming to accept that, but more specifically around like the fear of the unknown and the future really crippled me and I did all different things to work through that and saw a psychologist and did yoga and meditated and danced and surfed and my dad said to me hey why don't you just try writing just write whatever's in your head and just get it out and I sat down one day to write a poem and the first five words that came out were we're all going to die and it was this crazy moment where for the first time I'd really thought about death and I had this great acceptance that me and you, Kurt, and everyone we know in the world is going to die someday. And there's a truth to that. And it sounds really morbid and dark, but there's also this really beautiful, empowering side to that because it, it's a reminder that we are just 
we're mortals and, and this isn't going to last forever. And that's the only certainty that there is. Like there's nothing else in life that you can, I mean, 2020 definitely taught us that. There's nothing else that you can bank on other than we're all going to die someday. And I think with that in mind, it really gave me a lot of um, peace and comfort knowing that I can't control every single element of my career or whether I'm making the right or wrong decision. That's the journey of life. And that's the actual exciting part is to just follow intuition and follow heart and see where it lands. And some things will work out and other things won't. And there'll be suffering and heartbreak along the way. But when you look at it through the lens of death, it's, it's this really, um, it's the most powerful force to live by looking at life through the lens of death. And so with that, I turned that poem um, I met a, a publisher from the US and they asked me if I wanted to turn it into a, a book and I said I would love to and so I illustrated what I call a a, um, a children's book for adults so it's got all these like fun drawings and this poem that I wrote in wow. it and then I turned that poem uh, and that book into a short film and then I was on this great buzz in 2017 that I actually just called quits on freelance film directing and was like, I'm not going to take on any work for 12 months. I'm going to use all my life savings to just survive and work on this festival. And it was an art festival um, that was all about immersing people in things of fear and death and living life. And we held it in Sydney and I ran a Kickstarter campaign um, and we raised the money to put on this big festival called We're All Going to Die. And um, it sold out and was, yeah, it went really well. And then I read it the next two years in Byron Bay and then in Melbourne, and they all sold out as well. Um, so, yeah, that's that's where that project is at. And it's taken me to Damn. New Zealand and America and everything. But I miss the train. <laughs> I, yeah, well, it's funny, though, that project I'm never, I'm never going to put to bed. Uh, that's be, just amazing. because. Until you're dead. <laughs> Until I'm dead, yeah, totally. And then people will be like, whoa, this is, Steph was right. Um, <laughs> but I, for me, we're all going to die. And, and the actual whole message in one sentence is fear less, live more. We're all going to die anyway. And that's what I try to get the audience of that project to to feel and to understand that there's these day-to-day fears that hold us back, whether it's judgment from friends or the fear of failure. If we actually pursue that, you know, that dream job or that project, or we, we put out art for the world to see and, and you feel vulnerable. There's so much fear around embarrassment and failure and judgment that it generally stops us from doing what we truly want to do. And so the whole message is like, Hey, Think about that fear and what could go wrong and then compare it to you in your grave someday and then think about that fear again and see if it's shifted. Just see if it's changed your perspective at all to maybe just start to give it a go or start to pursue it. And there's been some incredible stories that have come from that project and how people's lives have been transformed in one way or another. So in saying all that, I'm never putting that project to bed i think i'll always come back to it in some way and um share that message because it's it's too beautiful not to 
Wow. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, that's incredibly inspiring. And I, I remember stumbling upon that project when I was just looking at some of your stuff and it's, uh, the, the film and I will, I'll link it for the listeners, but it's just, it's so, I keep thinking of the word quirky. My girlfriend hates the word quirky, but it just, it has this like, creativity and quirkiness and like, um, cartoon like nature that I think, yeah, everyone will really love when they, you know, when they see it and when they watch it. And I think that's such a good question to ask ourselves. Um, yeah. So you, you kind of wrap that project up, not fully still always going to be happening, but, um, that, that then led you to, to where, like, what did you step into after that? Well, after that, that project actually opened up, uh, the doors to do illustration. So like I, uh, you know, made this children's book and I had all these drawings in it and then all of a sudden different brands or companies or, or art shows were like, Oh, do you, do you draw? And I was like, yeah, this is what I did as a kid. This was my, fa- this is how I got into creativity. And so for one, like that's become this really fun side hobby that I just do um, for complete, you know, thrills. And then in terms of directing, it really just ignited me to, to, you know, continue to pursue commercial directing because I really enjoy that. I think it's really fun. But more than that, just always when it comes to passion projects for me, I think what we're all going to die really highlighted was like all it takes is just to ask yourself questions and just to delve like inwards and just to see where you're at in life. And you'll always be somewhere where you've got a question or you're curious about something and then just use your art form to explore it. And yeah, it's such wow. a fun process. Like I did this really silly. I really love silly things as well. Cause I think life, you need silliness in it. Like I like to yeah. talk about deep things and I love to be silly at the same time and try to find the meeting place of those two things. And I, um, when I first moved to New York, I was like, again, got just, just got into a bit of a funk and was just like, what's like what's this all about just like meaning of life questions and i ended up making this film called the talking tree which is just about a man talking to a tree in central park um and i guess that man was very much an extension of me being like what's our purpose and what's this all about and the tree i mean i let people watch it i won't ruin it but i think that was me just literally trying to explore the meaning of life and i was like well I'll just make a film about it and have a, a talking tree as, you know, this voice of um, voice of wisdom talking back to a, a human. And then following that, um, yeah, I worked on another short film in New York that was sparked from a conversation I had with a friend about this lack of eldership in my life. And, and it just made me, it gave me this desire to go and speak to elders and learn about what they've learned on life from life rather than you know trying to figure everything out myself and these are personal projects like you commissioned it all for these like did you have some backing or you just threw yourself in in there and and made it yourself um majority of them are always personal projects that i just yeah i just like save my money up and i pour it into it and and when i make you know a commercial like the money i get paid from that I'm very conscious that a percentage of that is going to go into these personal projects. 
And I need that to stay sane. Like I can't just do commercial projects. I need to make things myself with my own message um, just for my own, yeah, freedom of expression. So, yeah, it's, you know, sometimes it takes a bit of a financial hit, but it's it's worth it. Like it's my passion and they've always led to other opportunities. So in a, in a weird way, it's an investment, but you never know what it looks like. There's no guarantee that comes from it. But the last project I did, I was commissioned um, a very small amount of money, but I was commissioned to make They Saw the Sun First, um, which was, yeah, a, a really wonderful experience making that one. Yeah. What was the overarching narrative of that film? Because I, I watched that. I've seen that a few times now, watched it again, because that, that is the one that you won the award for, hey, the BAFTA. Yeah. Which is yeah. crazy. <laughs> like, yeah, it's pretty wild. <laughs> yeah. Um, I got to be Stefan's paparazzi the other day when he was in Sydney. <laughs> we just took some flash cameras, me and his his uh, another guy, Grant, and just, like, flashed them when they were celebrating. But it was so cool. That's so exciting that that's, um, you know, something that you acknowledge for and, you just never know where these projects are going to go. So I love that that's just something you you dived into. You're like, you know what? There's a lack of, um, you know, like just these different things. You just keep following your own intuition, your own, you know, curiosity. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, I guess like a lot of the time people, if I've ever been speaking to, you know, um, you know, a young up and coming filmmaker or, or artist. Um, and they, they, that classic question of like, oh, what's one piece of advice? Um, which is really difficult to answer, by the way. But I always just tell people, like, there's only one of you in the world. And therefore, you see the world different to how everyone else sees it. Like, there's, that's, that's a truth um, based on your experiences, based on, who your parents are and where you were born and, and what religion you were raised with and all these different things. Like you have a very unique view of the world. And as you grow as a person, you're going to be curious about all different things. So I think if you can just make something for yourself that you're going to learn something from and you're going to grow from and um, you're going to enjoy to make, I feel like that's where really special art comes from because you're not making it to get likes and you're not making it to get acceptance from other people. Um, a lot of the time, I feel like that's where projects that I've done with that kind of um, motivation, they've kind of just fallen flat and they just haven't had me in them. And then the projects where I just block all of that out and I just hone it on you know, my most raw, vulnerable self and, and what makes me happy. That's where I feel like my projects have had the most heart. And is it, that should just be the way, like we've been told this narrative that we needed, we need to go and build someone else's dream, but often people aren't encouraged that, Hey, like your dream's enough. Like you're enough. You can do what you want to do. And you can figure it out. Maybe you're a barista. Like I've worked in coffee. So like I may have to go back to slinging some coffees. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's it's that space of being like, hey, it's it's okay. Like go do what, what's in your heart. Go do 
go do what you feel and and I think that will open doors and and if it if it doesn't open monetary doors that's okay too because you're you're just pursuing what you love um and I think that is that capitalist mentality that we need to just be take a step back from and be like okay no I don't need to make money I I can actually just do what really inspires me and what what makes me happy yeah a hundred percent like it if your dream is to be a director or your dream is to be a photographer, you know, and make money from it, I would say there's probably a lot of, you know, commercial directors and photographers that are burnt out and they don't enjoy what they do and they haven't done a passion project in years and they're making money, but they may not necessarily love their craft that they once did when it was just a hobby. And I think that, you need to do everything you can as an artist to protect your love for your craft. And if that means taking on less work, if that means not working commercially in that craft and, you know, I've done so many different jobs throughout my life to, to pay the bills. Um, but I think I've learned that you need to protect your love for your craft to keep it exciting and to keep good work coming because the moment it just becomes a job, that pays the bills, like you've you've lost you've lost a hobby, and that's that's um I think that's yeah really sad. So yeah, yeah, protect protect that um that craft that brings you joy with everything you can. Yeah, completely. I think like that's exactly what I think I needed to hear today. So if anyone else is out there and they heard that, that's. It's just good. Protect that craft, you know, make sure that you don't lose it because it's so easy. It's so easy to just suck the life out of it by giving everyone else the power and the autonomy over the thing that you've worked so hard and cultivated and become passionate about. Um, I guess if we, you know, if we bring it, bring it down to like a little bit of a practical level, Stefan, is, are there any things that you do, um, to stay inspired, like you said, writing is a good thing that you've, you've found, you know, what, what kind of helps you get, um, get ideas and continue to stay, um, stay on top of your, your process when you're thinking about things to come. Yeah. I, I really love being able to just open up a blank piece of paper and just let my mind wander through my hand. And generally it'll be half drawings and half words or half, sentences but it, it just feels like it's um clearing out the the mind and, and just it's it's creating space in there and what I always find is when I come back to those books and I'll look at something that I wrote two years earlier I'll be like oh wow like that sentence right there is literally that was the seed that birthed this project or that is so connected to this thing um and it's I, I, in in any. It's just nice to see that that was nearly like documented in a way. Like oh, that was where my head was at on that day during that chapter of my life, and now this is where it's it's come to. So I really like the idea of just getting things onto paper um, because it's tangible. Um, the other thing I love is just conversation. Like I get a lot of energy from people, and um, I'm just really drawn to to having yeah, just 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 exciting chats with people from different walks of life because again so many seeds are planted when you have good chats and you just never know where it's where it's going to lead but 
um, yeah, hanging out with interesting people is a great place to find inspiration. Yeah, that's that's my excuse for this podcast. <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> I just yeah, wanted totally. to talk to people that I wouldn't normally get to. So I'm just like, let's do this, you know? Yeah, um, 100%. It's, yeah, it's, it's awesome. And it, and they don't have to be like, they don't have to be from your craft or from your field. Um, yeah. They don't have to be like, oh, they've achieved all these things. They just have to be someone that's different to you. And it's just fun to just get to know someone's story. Like, man, people have the most wild stories. And so much of the time, all you get is, hey, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm well. And that's all you that's all you learn about a lot of people. And then as soon as you get to start to chat and open up more, man, life is life is wild. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. I'm there with you. I I can do a shallow conversation, like, you know, that's honoring sometimes, but um I always just try to take someone to a corner and have a deep conversation, you know. <laughs> I'm always at a party. Yeah, I'm in yeah. a party and everyone and, and people are like, Oh, where's Kurt? And you'll see me like leaning on some wall, just like diving into someone's like, So like what's the meaning of life? You know, what's your dream? It just like leaves me. I walk away and I'm like, oh, I've learned so many things and I, I go away and it um adds so much value to my life. But yeah, that's so that's so awesome. <laughs> Yeah, totally. It is awesome, man. And and it's yeah, it's it's a um I can very much relate to that as well. Just there's there's nothing like one of the most exciting things is when you meet someone and on the first encounter you have a profound conversation. Like that's that's wild. Sometimes I'm I'll have that and I'll think to myself, there's people I've known for twenty years that I haven't gone that deep with. And, and and I also love just like general banter and, and I'm not always in the mood for a deep chat. Like you need to have a good balance there. That can yeah. be way too intense sometimes. But <laughs> if, if you line up with someone else at the same time and you go there, man, it's just, it's so great. I love it. Oh, I'm with you. Um, well, mate, it's been incredible just getting to hear your story and, and hear a bit about, you know, how you've, come to where you are today but i have five flash questions that i end the podcast with that i'd love to ask you let's do it i love this yeah. is there a timer okay. is there is this like a game show where oh should we well i just say to answer them as quick as possible but sometimes people do go down rabbit holes so there's like there's space but there's also like you can be challenged and just see if you can come up with it as quick as possible. Yeah, I'm going to go quick. I'm going to go full-on <laughs> okay. game mode. Well, there's only five, so here we go. All right, you ready? Ready. Let's go. Stefan's ready. I can. He's he's on the edge of his seat. All right, number one, favorite film or series? Favorite film is Boy by Taika Waititi. And... Yeah. Beasts of the Southern Wild. Okay, I haven't heard of that. That's sick. All right, one book that's left a mark on you. Into the Wild. Nice, nice, yeah, nice, nice. Read, read that. Read that in my traveling traveling days, and yeah, loved loved that book. Who inspires you? Uh, my my parents, both of my parents, um, for different reasons, but yeah, they're a huge source of inspiration for me. 
and and my wife Vanessa. Um, yep. Yeah. Awesome. Um, what's one ad- word of advice? One word of advice you'd give your younger self today? Feel all the feels. I love it. And the final question is, who do you want to become? I want to become someone who, there's this Ralph Waldo Emerson quote about success that I'll send to you. It's it's amazing. And he talks about what he sees as success. And I guess I want to become a successful person. And his definition of it is something along the lines of, um, you know, it's the respect of critics as well as the admiration of children. It's leaving the world better than you found it, whether that's a garden veggie patch or a changed social condition. And it's this idea of like, you don't have to go big dreams. They can be simple. It's not just about impressing the, the, the critics and getting their respect. It's about having a, a child admire you for how you go about you know, your day-to-day life and giving them time as well. And I think it's just this really well-rounded definition of what I also deem as success. So I just want to live a life like that. Wow. What an incredible place to leave it. (laughs) Um, Thanks so much, mate. Like, I felt so encouraged by this conversation and I know that whoever listened to this episode is going to leave encouraged, inspired, um, by you and um, I'll definitely leave you know some things in the show notes of, of your work and things people can check out and hey if if you want to drop Stefan a line he has Instagram you know send him a message let him know what spoke to you today and, and what encouraged you I'm sure that he'd love to hear it um, but yeah thanks so much mate man thanks so much Kurt really appreciate you taking the time to, to have me on Hey, hey, thanks so much for listening to this episode with Stefan Hunt. It's by far one of my favorites. I just love what we talked about when it came to values, um, continuing to work on what you love, even if it's not monetary. Um, It just really stood out to me. And I hope that you guys reach out to Stefan, let him know what spoke to you. And I will see you for the next episode of Up and Becoming.